Well, greetings to each of you and welcome to The Shakedown, a podcast about corrections, for corrections and by corrections. I am your host, Aaron Dawson. Good to be with you for another episode. Uh, We hit a milestone in the month of August, last week of August. Uh, We hit our 50th episode. Uh, That is quite awesome and quite wild, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm being honest, uh, to think that we've been on this journey uh, long enough to have 50 episodes. Um, and our desire is to continue onward and upward, to keep pushing, keep growing. Glad to have you uh, with us on this week's episode. And if you've been listening to uh, the podcast for any length of time, you know that We've covered a variety of topics um, from, you know, very practical things uh, to more, uh, maybe you might say philosophical things to uh, more socially or culturally interesting things, uh, so forth and so on. And and, uh, I hope they've all been beneficial uh, to you and that you've enjoyed them. Uh, I want to talk about uh, something uh, this week and, and maybe we'll see where it goes a couple of weeks, um, the I believe it was the 16th of August, the uh, CDC put out a report. And this report uh, covers the uh, suicide deaths in the United States in the year 2022. Um, and we had seen um, that the numbers of suicides per year had dropped in 2019 and then 2020. Uh, and then in 2021, those numbers jumped. I believe it was by a good uh, 8%. And then there was yet another increase in, in 2022, uh, up about 2.5%. Uh, and when I saw this this report and I looked at the report, um, I just felt like it was important that we, uh, that we take uh, a little bit of time and discuss this topic. Now, anytime you see uh, articles or you hear people talk about uh, suicide, uh, there's uh, often... Uh, they get they immediately go to the uh, discussion of the causes, and you know you think about in 2019 and 2020, you know there being a drop, and then 21 there was this increase. Uh, there were a lot of people saying that that was a result of COVID and the lockdowns and people having to be isolated and away from family members, and you know kids not being able to go to school and or college or you know all that 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 social isolation, and, that, and there's probably a great deal of of truth to that. Um, but then when we get to, you know, 2022, we were out of that. And so, uh, anyway, there, there are often those that they look for causes on, on kind of a big picture, you know, what's going on in the nation, what's going on in the culture, what's going on that, that is causing, uh, these, these numbers, uh, that we're seeing. And, you know, there are a host of quote unquote causes that people like to bring up. But it doesn't matter from a psychological perspective. There have always been the same causes of, of suicide. And those causes are hopelessness and despair. Uh, the hopelessness that I don't have any hope, uh, that whatever the situation is, there is absolutely nothing that I can find hope in, uh, that there is no silver lining, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, and then despair that it's never going to get any better. Suicide always stems from hopelessness and despair. And we, when we consider from that perspective that regardless of the quote-unquote cause uh, of the hopelessness and despair, it's always hopelessness and despair that leads to uh, someone considering or uh, 
uh, unfortunately pursuing um, suicide. Uh, the numbers in 2022, there were 49,449 people, uh, according to this report, that uh, ended their life by suicide. Of that 49,000, 39,000 of them were men and only 10,000 were women. Uh, the part that, that jumped out at me the most is when, when you break this down, these numbers down by age, uh, the, in the age 10 to 24 years, uh, there was 6,529. And on the other end of it, 65 plus, uh, there was 10,433. The two biggest numbers, the two biggest chunks of this are in the 25 to 44 year range and the 45 to 64 year range. In the first of those, the 25 to 44 range, there were almost 17,000 people. And in the 45 to 64, there were just shy of 16,000 people. I would venture to say that the majority of those in our profession in corrections fall into that 25 to 64 year category. And so guys, the point being, this is something uh, that is an issue and often I feel like is not appropriately and sufficiently addressed. And so I wanted to take just a, uh, some time and let's talk about this. You see, in our profession and in the facilities that we work, we are familiar with layers of safety. Um, you know, you would not consider it wise to have a facility in which a housing unit that houses inmates had an exterior door that led right into the free open uh, world. You would think, well, that's foolish because if that inmate can get through that one layer of security, they're free. And so we're used to the concept of layers of security or layers of safety um, to protect the, the community uh, from those that the courts have deemed need to be incarcerated. Well, just like in our facilities and just like in our profession, we have these layers of safety. Psychologically, we have the same thing. We have some, some psychological layers of safety uh, that provide some uh, psychological uh, fortitude, if you will, that allow us to defend ourselves uh, from hopelessness, despair, and heaven forbid, suicidal uh, ideation. And so I want to I take uh, some time and discuss those layers of security or those layers of safety, um, because I think it's important that we be reminded of these or maybe uh, be informed of these for the first time and to talk about and to, and to take a good hard look inside ourselves and say, okay, how are my safety measures? Are they good? Are they strong? Are they in place? Are they secure? Or am I weak in, in some of these areas? And so I want to talk about these layers, if you will, of psychological safety or security that we have. So the first layer is, is it is important that we have something to live for. We have something to live for. Now, that something that we live for, it has to be transcendent. It has to be bigger, uh, bigger than and or outside of ourselves. You know, someone might say, okay, well, I've got to have something to live for. Okay. Um, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. That's, that's my goal. That's what I live for. That's what I'm going to do. Well, uh, that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, statistically, and the research has shown that happiness, as it were, does not work as our goal or our vision or our purpose that we live for because happiness is arbitrary. I mean, how many times have you or I thought that, you know, we wanted 
something. Maybe it was some piece of technology. Maybe it was a house. Maybe it was a vehicle. Um, it, whatever. You know, a relationship. You know, we wanted something specific. And then, you know, if, if we could get that, whatever it was, if we could acquire that, man, it would be amazing. We'd be so happy. It'd be so awesome. And then we get it. And then we quickly find out <laughs> that we do not want it, but the investment's already been made or the purchase has already been made or commitment's already been made and we're stuck with it. So happiness is arbitrary. Happiness is, is, is temporary at best. Um, you, know, you, you or I could have a situation in which everything is going our way. And so, man, we are happy. Then something comes along in life that, uh, that takes that, uh, takes that down. All of a sudden we are unhappy. So whatever it is that we are living for, it's got to be bigger than just happiness. A few things about, about this something that we're living for. Uh, number one, it has to challenge us. It has to challenge. It has to be an adventure. It has to be something that generates some excitement. It has to be something that gener- that motivates us to pursue it. So it has to, it has to challenge us as an adventure. It has to be something that, that we, you know, we want to strive for, that we want to, to work for, that we want to, that we're willing to sacrifice to get. I remember, you know, being in school and playing sports and, you know, I wanted to be that, that baseball player. I wanted to be that basketball player. I wanted to be that soccer player that could get out on the court, get out on the field and could really contribute. can really make a difference. Well, if that was something that I wanted to accomplish, that was going to take some sacrifice. That was going to take some work. That was going to take some sweat. That was going to take some time. It was something that, <coughs> excuse me, that pushed me in to pursue. And it was an adventure. There was the, the excitement of the competition and the, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. And, you know, me and my team giving our best against this other team that's giving their best and seeing, you know, who's going to come out victorious. So this, this something, this thing, that this vision, this purpose, this goal, it has to be something that challenges us as, uh, as an adventure. Secondly, it has to challenge us. Uh, by providing an ethical framework, there has to be an ethical framework. There has to be a way of, of viewing, pursuing this certain pursuits as okay, this is good, or this is beneficial, or this is helpful, or this is right, and this is not. You know, if, if I'm wanting to be a good athlete, and you know, I want to say okay, you know, I, I put in an extra hard practice, I put in an extra hard work, and I want to reward myself. Uh, for putting in that hard work, and so I'm going to go gorge myself on <laughs> on some fattening food, and and I'm going to take the weekend, and I'm just going to live it up. Well, that's not beneficial. That's not helping me reach my goal. So in that ethical framework, yeah, it might be fun, but that's bad, or that's wrong, or that's counterproductive. So this this thing, this vision, this goal we're pursuing, it has to challenge us as an adventure and it has to challenge us by providing an ethical framework. And we think about, you know, an obvious uh, illustration of this in our line of work is the law. (laughs) The law provides that ethical framework. It says, look, this behavior, this way of doing things, this way of operating is, is good and right and lawful and acceptable. And this is not. So, you know, we have to, uh, we have to, have that ethical framework to guide uh, what it is that we are pursuing. Uh, the third thing is, is it has to challenge us by providing tangible goals. You know, I've heard some people say, okay, well, my, my goal or my vision or my purpose is I want to be a better person. Okay, that sounds good. And, and yes, hopefully that's, that's all of our goals is to be a better person. But what does that mean? 
What are you going to do different today than you did yesterday to be a quote unquote better person? There's no tangible goals in that. Now, could you set that as your overall goal and then break that down into components and say, okay, if I'm going to be a better person, that means I'm going to be a better spouse. And to be a better spouse means I do X, Y, and Z. Sure, absolutely. But there has to be tangible goals for us to pursue. There has to be a measuring stick to where, you know, we can look at it and say, okay, on such such a date, you know, I set this as my vision, my goal, my purpose. How far have I come? How far have I made it towards my goal? There has to be a tangible goal. Our research has shown that the only way that you and I are going to experience positive emotion in our everyday life is through the pursuit of a goal. And how are we going to know how far along we've come if we don't actually set tangible goals. So it has to challenge us. Uh, we see that and it has to challenge us as an adventure. It has to challenge us by providing an ethical framework and it has to challenge us by providing tangible goals. The second part about this purpose or this something that we live for, it has to involve others. And you say, now hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. What? <laughs> My goal, my goal, my protection, my safety measure, uh, psychologically, uh, th- this, vrig- this vision, this purpose, this goal that I have, it has to involve other people. Absolutely. It has to involve other people. It has to involve us f- uh, investing in other people. It has to involve um, allowing them to invest in us. And I'm not saying you have to be everybody's friend and you just need to go in the middle of the mall or in the middle of Walmart or the middle of the park and be like, hey, everybody, come talk to me. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, is we cannot allow ourselves to be completely isolated. We have got to have social interaction. You know, often uh, when you hear um, about, you know, maybe there was a, a shooting somewhere and you had somebody that, that come in and it seems randomly took the lives of multiple people that they didn't even know. Uh, without fail, uh, those people were antisocial. They were socially isolated. Now, there is a difference between antisocial and asocial. Antisocial is I am against society. Asocial is I'm not so much against society. I just want to be left alone. I don't want to talk to anybody. Well, that isolation uh, is not conducive to our having our being psychologically healthy. So this vision, this goal, this purpose, it must include other people. So the first safety measure, the first layer of security that we have uh, that we need to have in place is, is to make sure that we have something to live for. And that could be, you know, a pursuit of, of a faith. That could be a pursuit um, in our family. That could be pursuit in our job. Uh, the possibilities are endless, but we have to have something to live for. The second layer, uh, and that's probably all we'll get have time for this week, but the second layer. So we have the first layer is have something to live for. The second layer is, is to fulfill fill our roles. What do I mean by that? Well, all of us, we have roles, uh, three uh, kinds of roles that that we that we need to make sure we fill. The first of these is the natural roles. These are the ones that come as a part of the family in which we were born. You know, me personally, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a nephew, a cousin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those are roles that come with responsibilities. 
As a husband, I have a responsibility to my wife. As a father, I have a responsibility to my children. As a son, I have a responsibility to my parents. As a brother, responsibility to my siblings. And I need to make sure that I am fulfilling those roles. Back to what we talked about in the first layer, the importance of that involving or investing or or, or, or involving other people and me investing in them and them investing in me. A very natural way for that to take place is to make sure that I am fulfilling those natural roles. And if I am not fulfilling those natural roles, there is going to be, there are going to be issues. There's going to be psychological and emotional issues uh, that I deal with. And so I need to make sure that those relationships are being uh, maintained. So there's natural roles. Secondly, there's social roles. Those are the roles that we, you know, uh, if I'm an administrator, then I'm a leader. And that's a role that I have to fulfill. You know, I have people that they're not family, but they're friends or they're coworkers. You know, that's a social role uh, that I have or that you have. And so I need to make sure that those relationships are being maintained and that I'm doing, I'm fulfilling that role uh, like I need to, to the best of my ability. And then the, uh, the last uh, role, and this has become more controversial as of late, but that is the biological role. Uh, research has shown that uh, as a rule, not, not, Always, not 100% of the time, but as a rule, uh, males uh, to have a, tend to have a, a specific type of personality makeup. Again, there's variation there. I'm not saying it's across the board, but as a general rule, uh, males tend to have a certain personality makeup and, and females t- tend to have a certain personality makeup. And those personality makeups lend themselves to certain types of roles uh, in the culture, in our families, and in society. Uh, males as a general rule, tend to be more of a motivating encourager. Now, we may do that by uh, you know, harassing each other. We may do that by, by calling each other out. Uh, we may do that by poking or picking at each other. But it's a motivating encouragement, uh, whereas females tend to be more uh, compassionate. Uh, they tend to be more merciful, if you will. They tend to be more uh, able to engage with people on a deeper level than just action or activity again. Those are just general rules, so don't come at me with all this. Well, I'm not like I, I get that general rule. So we need to make sure that we're fulfilling our natural roles, our social roles, and our biological roles. And and how we do that is we need to make sure we're setting improvement goals. You know, my wife and I we've been blessed to have been married for uh, 22 years now. And, you know, when we first got married, there was no question in my mind that I love this woman. There was no question. I mean, I was committed to her. I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. I knew that I loved her. But if I compare our relationship today to what it what it was when it began uh, those years ago, uh, what I, the love I had for her on that on our wedding day pales in comparison to what it is today. Why? Because we, we've lived together. We've, we've experienced life together. We've faced challenges, difficulties, tragedies, victories. Uh, we've had fun. We've had, you know, we've had arguments. We've had uh, good times, bad times, et cetera, et cetera. Set improvement goals. Okay. If I want my relationship in my, in my natural roles, if I want them to be, to improve, what are some things that I could do? If I want my social roles to improve on you know, my bylaw, set improvement goals. And when we do this, back to that first layer, this provides a regular day in and day out purpose. This provides us something that meets the criteria of having something to live for. And I'm not saying this be the only thing we live for, but this is this is a very practical way to live that out. So that first layer, have something to live for. That second layer, fulfilling our roles. Well, guys,
we're out of time for this week. Um, and and uh, still got some more I want to make sure I cover with you. So we'll pick up uh, where we left off with this. Uh, we'll pick up with this uh, next week. Um, but in the meantime, guys, uh, if there's anything, uh, questions, comments, concerns, uh, you can shoot me an, e- uh, an email, shakedown at jailtraining.org, shakedown at jailtraining.org. I'd love to hear from you. i uh, got any thoughts or, or questions about it. Uh, love, again, I'd love to hear from you uh, and make it a part of the, make it part of the episode, um, if at all possible. Um, but guys, I hope what we talked about today at least got you to thank him. Uh, and until next time, stay sharp, stay safe, stay vigilant. Godspeed.